Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cribs of the Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful mystery, and tonight joining me is the amazing author, Richard R. Rose. Say hi, Richard. Hey, how you doing? Oh, living the dream. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, yeah. Everybody here. I'm excited to be on. Thanks Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you. Uh, Love the books, and I think everybody that's listening is going to love it because it's a very unique uh, a unique idea, and I love it. <laughs> Thank you. And you I wish I could it. buy Sasquatch Moonshine. <laughs> but so you have to, I know a few people. <laughs> I may have to hit you up for that. <laughs> but yeah, you want to just kind of go through what I guess the first book's premises and everything like that. We'll just kind of go from there. Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, Wild Eyed Southern Boys Book One. It uh, basically, in in a nutshell, you have a. Uh, a young kid, 14 years old, whose uh, father just went missing. He was the chief of police. And, uh, you know, about a year after that, he's still going out into the woods and trying to find some clues as to what happened to his father. And, well, he has a bit of a bit of a run in. And long story short, I don't want to give out give out too many spoilers there. But, uh, well, I will say we'll say this because it kind of goes back to how I got the idea for the book. Uh, the young man's name is Ricky Rue, uh, who is based on uh, that. That's was actually my father's uh, nickname, Ricky Rue. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I made the uh, my hero the hero of this book. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, so Ricky Rue is uh, you know, and people just call him Rue. Uh, he's gets uh, lost, loses track of time. He's out in the middle of the woods in the Smoky Mountains, and. Uh, well, he has a run-in with a couple of, couple of feral pit bulls. And uh, long story short, a young Sasquatch by the name of Buford saves his life and introduces him to this underground town known as Stillwater, which is an underground secret community of Sasquatches. So from that point on, they become inseparable friends, and it... Bounces on up into their adulthood when uh, Rue goes off to the Air Force, becomes a um, a, a special operations security forces guy, and yeah, gets off of a really rough and rough deployment. And you know the nature of that uh, career field in, in and of itself is pretty rough. So he's you know he's got some issues, 
so uh, he's getting ready to get out get get out of the Air Force after a six-year enlistment so yeah his uh, his chief sends him home for a couple of weeks to for a little downtime and catch up with some friends about six months out from him getting out and uh, so he, you know, he wants to touch base with his buddy Buford and and uh, an old uh, old flame of his named uh, named Penny. Well, everything's you know so things are starting to look okay. So things are starting to get better, and uh, just when things are looking up, uh, a zombie apocalypse or zombie zombie apocalypse, a zombie outbreak uh, hits the Great Smoky Mountains. So. I, I might want to rewind. This place takes place in Townsend, Tennessee, which is an actual, actual little town. It's at the one of three entrances into the Smoky Mountains, and uh, beautiful little town. If you ever get a chance to go there, I highly recommend it. I spent a lot of time, a lot of my childhood there because I grew up outside of that in Maribel, known as the peaceful side of the Smoky. So if you look at the original cover and the and the new cover. Welcome to the peaceful side of the Smokies is a uh, is the town's motto. Well, obviously it doesn't become so peaceful after the zombie outbreak hits. So they find themselves trapped under this giant force field. Well, you'll have to read to find out how that happened. And uh, you've got a main bad guy who's controlling a huge army of zombies and a handful of human and Sasquatch survivors that have to band together to you know, fight off the zombies and go after the main bad guy and eventually save the world. Hopefully, hopefully they're successful, but you'll have to read to find out. I love it. Bigfoot, zombies, force fields, moonshine, and (laughs) Townston, Tennessee. Uh, We talk about Townston all the time on the show. That's where me and my wife go every year Mm -hmm. in April for our, uh, our wedding anniversary. Oh, really? Yeah, we love Townston. We stay at the uh, oh, strawberry yeah. patch there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, we love it. It's amazing. I can't wait. Everybody got to read this book or get or like uh, what I'm doing. I'm doing the audio book on Audible. Mm-hmm. And you picked who who's doing the, the reading for that? Kind of froze up there. Who's doing the reading for that? Who did your reading for the audio book? OK, well, it's uh, Stephen L. Vernon. And uh, I found him through uh, Upwork.com. I mean, he, you know, I posted it on ACX, and I also posted it on Upwork, and just to see, you know, here's the thing. I kept running into people, like, I need somebody with an authentic Southern accent. Right. And, uh, you know, someone that can actually sound like they're from Tennessee. And I had so many people, you know, people from up north, no offense. Oh, no. Uh, I, trying I to... Yeah, trying to do what they think a southern accent sounds like. And they sound like something like off of a freaking, you know, KFC commercial. You know, <laughs> oh, hell, but hell, come hell, boy. You know, and, and, you know, they sound like me, all rednecky, not not all fancy like that because we don't talk like that. And so, I mean, I had a, like out of 15 different auditions, I had maybe two that actually had authentic southern accents. And Steve is one of them. He's from North Carolina. And he had this had great credentials as far as you know he's he's got some uh, he's been on TV he's got some stage acting experience and he just really you know, knocked it out of the park you know once I heard his audition tape and I mean I'm like okay this is the guy I think he did perfect I, that's what I was gonna it, it just oh, you. helps you especially when you listen to an audio book like you know I do 
it helps sink in the story even more when it's not taking you out a place that this isn't the person experiencing the story or going through it. You know, it's it really helps with that. He does great. Yeah, for the yeah. uh the southern northern accent, we have a bunch of listeners in our southern Arkansas and they always try to mimic us mm-hmm. and they send us little video clips. <laughs> so it works the other way too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really like good northern, from northern Ohio. No, I can't do that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I really love the first book. That's I'm only a quarter way through the first book, everybody, and it's great. So you'll be we'll be learning together. Uh, and then you want to get into your second book. Yeah. So after you read, uh, I'd say the the second book is the Ruru War, a Wild Eyed Southern Boys prequel. Uh, you know, if you haven't, you know, even though it's a prequel, I highly advise you to read the book one first mm-hmm. because uh, you won't know a lot of things. You'd be kind of like, what What are the Knights of the Red Tunic? What's this? What are they even talking about? You'll be confused in, in the prequel. And it also uh, goes back into uh, around 1900 when the when Townsend, Tennessee was actually first founded. So you won't have Buford and Rue in the prequel, unfortunately. But you do have some of the beloved characters that you will see in uh, book one. You'll have Papaw, you'll have Preacher Cody, you'll have uh, Mayor Allen, and um, because Sasquatches, by the way, they live up to 250 years. That's good. So, you know, younger versions of some of our beloved characters that you'll see in book one. So they'll be returning in, in the prequel. And it goes back to tell the story that is mentioned in book one about the Rougarou War. Uh, the Rougarou War was just this terrible war that took place when Townsend was first founded. And uh, so to give you a little bit of history. Townsend was originally a lumber community, a lumber camp. It started out uh, when a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Colonel W.B. Townsend uh, started his Little River Railroad and Little River Lumber Company right there uh, in the Tuckaleechee Valley where that is now the city of Townsend. And it's, uh, so that's how it, that's how everything got started. It was a lumber company that lasted from like 1900 into around the mid to late thirties before they halted all lumber operations and the Great Smoky Mountains became a national park. But, uh, you know, it was a thriving uh, business, and um, and that's where the the city of Townsend first came to came to pass. So, uh, but they had some issues at the very beginning. Uh, they were trying to lay the, uh, you know, they're trying to get this railroad built so they, there's railroad tracks that go all over all through the Smoky Mountains at, during that time. Uh, there's still remnants of it left today, but it's, you have to know where to go to look for them because the, you know, the map ever since they, you know, so, you know, the forest has since, you know, over, you know, retaken their, retaken their land, but there was a whole network of railroad, railroad tracks there. So they were having trouble getting these railroad tracks built because somebody was sabotaging the railroad. They'd find, you know, rails bent into a horseshoe and like what in the world could do that you know and then strange sightings of these weird hairy man-like creatures being sighted at some of the you know, some of the uh crime scenes there so they call in a uh, 
So they hire a couple of uh, Pinkerton detectives, uh, a uh, Native American man by the name of Johnny Walking Stick and his partner, William Rue. Take a while, guess who he's related yeah. to is one of Rue's ancestors. So, uh, you know, they come in to investigate. Well, one thing leads to another. Of course, you know, it's it's the Knights of the Red Tunic out there trying to halt the railroad operations because they don't want them in their land for obvious reasons. So, yeah, that, that's where the story starts, you know, them trying to uh, negotiate with these with these uh, with the Sasquatch community and trying to come up with a mutually beneficial uh, beneficial uh, agreement to where both of them can, you know, go on with their lives. So, you know, this is where you might learn how the Ruse became such staunch allies with with uh, Stillwater, how Stillwater even be, had even or even began uh you'll you'll learn a lot of things like you know what happened with preacher cody why did he trade the red tunic for the pulpit uh that, that's a big part of the story there and you know, even when they get things moved out with the sasquatches and all things are going well guess what uh a group of rougarous joined the lumber company as uh as, you know lumber workers but they have some nefarious intentions with the human population there. When I say rougarous, if you're not familiar with that term, are uh, the Louisiana uh, Bigfoot, or no, excuse me, not Bigfoot, but werewolves, or you know, it's the Louisiana version of the Dogman that's been cited. Or you know, you, you all, you're yeah. you're up in Wisconsin, right? Ohio. Ohio. Okay. We, well. Yeah, we got okay. Dogman too. Yeah, yeah, I got Dogman up there. You know, the Beast of Bray Road. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, along the same line. So these Rougarous, they show up, and, uh, well, things go downhill from there. It all hits the fan. And so you'll, and the good thing about uh, the Rougarou War, now, like I said, you need to read book one first. Mm -hmm. Read the Rougarou War, because Rougarou War ties book one into book two, book three, whichever you want to refer to, but the, the sequel of a... Uh, Buford and Rue's next big adventure because things are really going to hit the fan. So you want to know everything that's going on, you got to read both books before you get to that one, which comes out in November, hopefully. Tentatively November. Uh-huh. It's getting great reviews just like the first book. So oh, I'm sure it's going to be great. It's just it's I appreciate an it. awesome storyline. It just is very, very unique because there's a lot of Bigfoot stuff out there, you know, but nothing like this. This is really cool. <laughs> And then you said roughly Thank tentatively you. the third book coming out November ish. Yeah, Wild Out Southern Boys, Dead Cold War. Yeah, I know how that works. You know, sometimes yeah. you get this <laughs> stuff done sooner, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. But uh, that's awesome. You guys got to check out this stuff. Uh, do you ever do any public events for signings and stuff like that, or do you have any coming up? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I do. Uh, go to events. My very first event was the uh, Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival, which is guess what? Towns in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So the when I they had the first annual one, annual uh, Bigfoot Festival back in 2021, and I went there for that. And I had just finished the first draft of book one, and you know it was just the perfect venue. I mean, it's in Towns in Tennessee, which is a set you know setting in my book, and it's about you know, Bigfoot. So, I mean, you know, this would be great. We want to set up a booth here next year. 
So we came back as right after Rigaroo War had just been released, and uh, we had a hugely successful event there. We set up a we set up a booth, and you know I did uh, book signings, and uh, of course my wife, she's an artist, and she's really really good with designing crafts and stuff. So we had all kinds of Bigfoot related crafts to sell, and I mean it was just a monster success. I'm mean, yeah, pun intended, but. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to definitely be back there next year in May. Uh, we did uh, the Texas AuthorCon in uh, Dallas, Texas a few months back. And I'll be living in Tennessee by this time next year when we do the AuthorCon, but I'm going to make the trip back for that one. And that'd be, I think, July, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's going to be uh, even bigger than it was this year. We we got a lot lined up for that. So I'm very excited about that event. And, uh, I just got, I just, uh, this past weekend, I did the Bigfoot conference at, um, uh, the Texas Bigfoot conference mm-hmm. in Jefferson, Texas. And that was another, uh, another successful event. We really, uh, my wife and I worked that one, set up a table and met some, uh, met some famous cryptozoologists too. I mean, it was Adam Davies and, yep. uh, Ken, uh, and Gerhardt and yep. yeah, Lyle Blackburn met all those guys. He's on the show next week. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, okay. They're great guys, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very excited to actually meet these guys, yeah. you know, and I'm got a table right next to them. I'm like, man, you almost felt like I hit the big time, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it was a. Uh, yeah, my, we are. There's going to be more events coming up, and my wife and I. Uh, I retire from the Air Force early next year so my wife and i we have plans to hit you know a lot a bunch more of these events because they've been really good for the ohio bigfoot should be one to look into at salt fork okay that's that's one we can definitely look into that's well within driving distance because uh we had i think thirteen thousand people this year okay that's a good size event oh it's it's crazy it's all yeah we're we're the we go there thursday and we do all the extra stuff and we leave sunday but it's we love all the events. I think we're doing. We can. The only problem is uh, you'd have to look to make sure it's not the same weekend as Townston. Yeah, because they're right next yeah. to each other. Last year they were right next to each other. So that's why we couldn't do Townston. Is it was just we couldn't do two big ones back to back. Right. But I think we'll be down right. by your way for the Gatlinburg Bigfoot Festival. I'm actually. Uh, I'm probably going to be there for that one as well. Awesome. I, yeah, kind of working a deal, but. A friend of mine knows the people that run it and well trying to get me uh, as a guest speaker there. So keep my fingers awesome. crossed. Awesome. That'd be great if I got that. I'd be really excited about that. I bet. That's awesome. That's a that's a really big yeah. one too. Mm-hmm. Now, how in the world did you come up with this? This is in- <laughs> entirely unique. Yeah, I tell you, this story I've had ever since I was a kid. At least in one shape, shape, form, or fashion, you know, I, I've always had this idea of a premise being, you know, a a, a boy meeting meeting a, a younger Bigfoot, you know, the same age, and they become best friends, and they end up in some kind of an adventure, and you know, the the ideas for the story has evolved throughout the years, and uh, I mean, I could have written some form of this book, uh, you know, years ago. And it's one of those things I just kept like, oh, I got an idea for this. I've, I've got several book ideas and Wild Out Southern Boys is probably one of my, my, one of my top ones. And 
And I was like, yes, we got it if we did this. And my wife was like, you know, why don't you just stop talking about it and write the book already? And so, you know, at, at the at the uh, young age of 47, I finally got around to writing my first book. But I'm glad because a lot of my life experiences have gone into this book. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, there, there's some things in this book that happened in real life, you know. Uh, not necessarily. Ricky Rue is loosely based on me. And, uh yeah, I had, uh, <laughs> yeah, minus the uh, zombies and Sasquatches, you know, I haven't really had many of that those in my life, but I've had a few Sasquatch, possible Sasquatch encounters. We can talk about that. I was going to say, you're not getting away without us hearing about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can def- we'll definitely, yeah. definitely uh, talk about some of that. Uh, but uh, I first got the idea when. I had, uh, have you ever been familiar with the tabloid Weekly World News? Yes. Yes, we have. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they're still in existence or not, but, you know, it'd be like, you know, Bat Boy escapes, yep, uh, Satan Boy. escapes we from have hell. A, we have Bat Boy on the shelf back over here. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah and uh, I think one of my favorite favorite ones was uh, Rudolph the Red News, uh, the Red Nosed Reindeer found in a meat freezer. That was one of my favorite, but... But there's one that caught my eye. Um, you know, I was just a little kid with my mom in a grocery store, and I see that, and it it was a uh, it was a picture, is a drawing, of course, you know, of a uh, Bigfoot, you know, with these dogs in his hand, and uh, it says "Superhero Bigfoot saves kid from a pack of wild dogs," and I got to thinking, wow, that'd be cool, you know, maybe have a and this is just, you know, like maybe 10 years old and like you know, have a little kid and, you know, ends up becomes best friends with a Bigfoot because he just saved his life, saved him from a pack of wild dogs. And But the one thing that stuck out to me is like superhero Bigfoot. I mean, you don't see that very often. No. I mean, there's a $6 million man version of Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> where he's kind of a superhero with it. So, I mean, as I, yeah, as I uh, kept, formulating the story in this circus up here i got to thinking you know what if you know you see a lot of bigfoots where bigfoot is a, a cannibalistic evil monster in the woods you know mostly horror books you know you don't really see too many as bigfoot as as a good guy and thinking you know what if they you know you know bigfoots are they're not necessarily superheroes they don't need superpowers i mean they're 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 immensely strong we're talking about a you know, a gigantic ape, you know, at least twice the size of a, of a gorilla that's like 10 to 15 times stronger than the average human being. Imagine how strong a Sasquatch would be, you know. Um, I think, you know, what if they go after the bad guys? And So I got, I got thinking, you know, let's have this Bigfoot as a uh, as main good guy and uh, let's make him smart. Let's not make him just some dumb animal. Let's you know, he can talk, he can, yeah, he, he's just a, a, a normal guy, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I saw, you know, a few accounts where people were talking about where, you know, they say, you know, Sasquatches can actually talk, you know, not, not just a, a primitive ape language, but they can actually talk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, it's fiction, <laughs> but, um, and maybe it, maybe it's true. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I built off that for, you know, decades. And I finished my master's degree and 
yeah, I've been wanting to write a book and, you know, I just, uh, I just lost my father. Mm. He had passed away. Uh, you know, had a few other things happen and yeah, I was dealing with some own, own demons, PTSD and, and, uh, just lost my dog Dixie. And, uh, that was another crushing, crushing blow. And if you notice, there's a, black bear named Dixie in the book mm-hmm. and Beaver's pet black bear. Yeah. <laughs> that's who that's based off of. And, uh, so, you know, decided I needed, I need some kind of outlet and COVID hit. Yeah. We're, we were doing like, you know, military was never known for teleworking. Well, guess what? Everybody's teleworking, right. <laughs> you know, when, when COVID hit. So I'm like, I got some spare time. I want to write my book. And I just sat down and, and started writing, didn't stop. And, at first, I didn't think, you know, when I'm typing the story, you know, like, I didn't have a full story. I had, like, you know, here's how I want to start. Here's some things I want in the middle, and here's how I want to end. But I didn't have everything. So, I like, I followed advice from some um, from some uh, popular authors like like uh, Mark Tufo. He said, just write the damn book. So, you can't call yourself a writer until you write the book. So, just get in there and write it, and things will come to you to go. And that's exactly what happened. And. I didn't think I was going to be able to write a complete book because I didn't have enough story and you end up with 170,000 words by the time it's all said and done. So <laughs> ended up with three books. Yeah. Yeah. That's and amazing. There'll be, a, there'll be a fourth one at least after that. So. That's awesome for something you didn't think was going to be one book to have four books worth of stuff come out. Is <laughs> yeah. Pretty awesome. And just, let's go over real quick where to find your books. Okay. Well, you can find it on Amazon. It's also available on Kindle Unlimited. Um, you know, paperback and, uh, of course, ebook. Uh, it's also available on Audible and iTunes. Uh, both books are recorded with uh, Stephen L. Vernon, and I have every intention of bringing him back for the third book. He's all about it. So, so yeah, he, he, he's a fan of the book, and I love having him as a as a narrator, he does an outstanding job. I think so too. I, that's yeah. that's a hard thing for audiobooks for me is just getting somebody that is a, a great, uh, well, a great reader because like you know a lot of people listen to the car. That's what I do mostly. And to have somebody that doesn't take you out of the story, but puts you further into it, it is hard thing to find. And I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, oh yeah. I love his voice. How he does Buford's voice because mm-hmm. he was asking me. How do you want Buford to sound? I'm like, gosh, I don't know. I never thought of that. I mean, like, how's a Bigfoot supposed to sound when they talk, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess he'd have kind of a deep voice and maybe a little grumbly, you know, a little rough. You know, he's a he's a talking ape. You know? mm-hmm. um, you know, like, you know, play with and you know, you know, send me some examples. And he did. And. And I picked the one I picked. I'm like, now I listened to the book itself. And I'm like, man, that's perfect. I love Beaver's voice. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Now you hinted at it. So you may have some Sasquatch stuff have happened to you. Uh, well, maybe. Yeah. Now can I, can I absolutely positively say it was no. a Sasquatch? No, but it, you know, it was, uh, it was a bit strange. So I've had a few incidences where, you know, I grew up in the foothills of Smoky Mountain. So I was up there at Look Rock and, you know, uh, of course, town. I spent a lot of time in Townsend. I love Townsend. <laughs> and uh, 
but you know, for my friends and I, you know, we were, we loved to go hiking into the mountains and camping and everything. And there's this, uh, one time we, we were out in the back country and camping and, uh, something kept throwing stuff at us. And it wasn't like, you know, huge boulders right. or anything. It's more like, you know, like pine cones and sticks and, you know, small rocks or stuff like that. It was like, and, you know, we were, uh, you know, we're, we were getting pissed. I mean, we're thinking there's somebody up there, you know, messing with us. And, you know, we're yelling and cussing and, <laughs> you know, come on out, you hit, come on, you know. And I, I won't, you know, use my exact language, but, you know, bring it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, nobody took us up on it. But um, so we, we, you know, scoured the whole perimeter of the camp, you know, shine our light. We didn't see anything. And, uh so we, we decided, you know, let's put the, let's put out the fire and let's get out of here. And something, we could hear something following us. Walking in the woods, couldn't see anything, though. It's like, you know, cloaking or something. You know, we figured if it was a bear, we'd send it, we'd mm-hmm. seen some eye shine or something by now, you know. And there's plenty of bears out there. And so we, you know, it, it, it was like um, about four mile hike back to the vehicle. And it was... uh yeah, it's probably one of the most terrifying moments of my life, you know, <laughs> didn't know what it was, but I had a few other, uh, few, a uh, few other times. My wife and I were out on our very first date and, uh, we go to this place called Look Rock and it's a nice little scenic drive up in the, right at the outskirts of the Smokies and just a nice view of the, of the city. Like you see the city of Maryville, all the lights and everything that, you know, down in the valley and it's just a you know nice romantic place to take a girl you know so we're out there and just watching the lights and we hear something big like i guess maybe 50 meters away to our left in the woods i'm like the hell is that and figured you know, probably a bear or something and i you know, wasn't too worried about it you know it was far enough away and bears don't typically attack at least they don't but smokies it, they do, but on very rare occasions. But uh, then we heard this weird growl, like nothing I've ever heard before in my life. I'm like, what was that? Now, that wasn't a bear. And it, <laughs> I mean, it sounded like, you know, best thing I could describe it was uh, it almost sounded like a uh, like a, a large cat, which they say there's no mountain lions up there, but there are <laughs> but, I, I, uh, we're right there with you yeah it, it was it was like it but it's just like some scary growl that i've never heard anywhere in nature before or since and uh so they say we decided to go elsewhere but and last little encounter i can tell you about uh, was just down the road from where we were uh, like a month or two later uh friends and I would go out to this, uh, well, look rock. You have this big, yeah, there's about a mile and a half long trail you take and it takes you to this tower. It's like a ranger tower to mm-hmm. spot in uh, wildfires and stuff. And, uh, so we go out, we always go out there and just kind of chill and hang around and, you know, smoke funny things and then, uh, <laughs> come back, you know, then head back out. But so on our way back down the trail, we hear this, like a, 
loud noise. It was like something had jumped out of a tree and landed, like just a few feet away from me. I mean, I'm like 15 feet away, you know, just real close, close enough to where I could feel the ground shake. And, you know, we shine, we shine a light and we didn't have any weapons on us or anything, you know, we shine a light, like what the hell? And thinking, you know, I guess it could have been a bear or something. Nothing. Like, nothing was there. I mean, we didn't hear anything take off running either. It's like something just, like, jumped out of a tree, landed right next to us. Didn't hear anything run away. It was like, it was around fall time frame. You know, there wasn't that much foliage, and we could have, you know, there's plenty of leaves on the ground. We would have heard something. And so, yeah, we looked at each other and, <laughs> took off running in record time made it back to the car and got out of there i'm sure so, yeah it's so we were in maryville literally last weekend uh oh, really? yeah for a podcasting stuff uh and we had a little bit on friday night there we had an airbnb really nice house uh mm-hmm. and we had a power outage on friday night we're all there's where there were two other podcasters and we're like well uh-huh. we can't do anything everything we need or do you does have has power so we're just walking mm-hmm. around this property and it reeks like a skunk and we're like ah you know what if it's bigfoot just joking off and mm-hmm. on the other side of this fence there's something laying on the ground huge and black it's pitch black out and it just starts rising and rising and rising we're like ah it's a freaking draft horse oh really a horse farm <laughs> we're freaking out because this thing gets super big. It was a draft horse. It was rolling, like rolling around, but it uh-huh. it was making all kinds of noises, and it was just huge. <laughs> we got scared by a horse. Well, yeah, I guess that's not something you expect to see in the middle of the woods, but yeah, and it's and we didn't we knew there was a horse farm back there, but we just hadn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't our property. We we're just walking around because we didn't have nothing else to do. But right, yeah, it sounds like really good. Sasquatch stuff, you know, the, the throwing stuff. We have people come on the show and share their experiences a lot. Uh, I've heard one of the accounts of it dropping out of a tree like that, and they didn't really? see it either. Well, what they assumed what it was, they had experiences later. But sound, they said it felt like a cow fell out of the tree on the ground, and then nothing there. You know, you'd think you'd, you'd, think you'd find something if you can feel it fall. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, uh, it's kind of a good, uh, good analogy. There is like it felt like it felt like a cow had mm-hmm. a tree and landed next to it. It was something heavy. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, was, it got our attention. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about? Well, no, I mean, uh, yeah the the story is you know the book's been out for. Uh, a little over a year now, book one and uh, book two came out earlier this year. And so book three will be out uh, November, December timeframe. I will get it done before the end of the year. I'm I'm like a third of the way done with it now. But uh, yeah, some exciting stuff. Oh, I'd say. Coming along. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm really happy with the way the story is uh, working out right now. And so, yeah, the adventures of Buford and Rue and and the uh, you know rest of the cast that are still alive are uh, they're not over yet. 
So I'll be doing another book in the Wild Eyed Southern Boy series um, after book three. So it'll be at least four books. You know, I could uh, I could end the story. I could end the story uh, after book four if I wanted to. So and end it on a good note and so forth and so on. So depending on how well the books are doing at that point, we'll determine if I keep going with the story because I can easily keep going with the story right. too. There's a, there's all kinds of things I can, all kinds of directions I can take the, you know, take these characters. I mean, I love the characters. The characters are based on real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Buford is based on a couple, uh, a couple of my best friends. One of them, uh, you know, my best friend, Scott Atkins, who's also a character in the book. Um, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, he's, he was, my best friend all through high school and we're still best friends now. And, uh, and, uh, my, one of my best friends from, uh, when I was a police officer, we served together for several years, uh, Keith Fletcher, who is also a, a character in the book and he'll be returning in the, uh, in the next book too. Um, he just passed away, unfortunately, mm. uh, a little over a year ago from a heart attack, but, uh, yeah, his story, his story will still, uh, still continue. That's who Buford is uh, basically based on is uh, Fletcher and and uh, my buddy Scott. So and then you know Rachel, Hunter, Penny, uh, you know Rue's sisters are based on my sisters of the same name and brothers-in-law and the kids and so uh, you know these characters are very near and dear to me because they're based on people that are near and dear to me. So what do they say? You're right. They don't what stop you know? me from killing them. Yeah, right. What you know mm-hmm. yeah. won't stop me from killing them. I warn you ahead of time. There'll, <laughs> be, some, ask, there'll be some. Some people are going to die. But does any of your family ever take offense to it? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> just well, yeah. You know, I have a few few characters in there based on people I don't like. <laughs> And ironically, I haven't really killed any of them. That's how so, it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I'll have to fix that later on. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been warned. Yeah. Well, Richard, thank you very much. Everybody at home, check these books out. They're great. Find Richard at an event too, so you can get a hard copy signed. That's what you need to do. Drive all the way to Texas if you have to. I know we got a fair <laughs> bit of listeners already down there. But and then we have a lot of listeners in Tennessee, so you guys check him out. He's right down there all the time, and we'll post links and everything like that. Uh, I'll have all yeah. the links in the show notes below for book to buy the books, uh, digital or hard, or, or hard copy. If I could talk, it's like I do this nine hours a day. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but thank you again, Richard. I do appreciate. It. I know it's been a long time coming. We just got so busy. That's okay. I appreciate you having me on the show. I was very, very glad to be here. And it's Richard R. Rose. We had a little talk off air, and <laughs> there's another author that's just Richard Rose, and I'm not shouting him out. It's just Richard R. Rose. Yeah, my books are a lot more fun to read than the other Richard. I will, Rose, I will me. agree. I haven't read the other ones, but I will agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, thank you again, Richard. But we have a tradition on here when we when we sign off. Me and you together will go one, two, three. Bye. We just yell this big old bye. All right. All right. Three, two, one. Bye. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. 
Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.